Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. In our last program, we began a conversation with second-generation missionary to New Guinea, Brother Chad Wells, about serving in missions as a family. I wanted to have this conversation with Chad because I think his family has been a tremendous example of what a family can accomplish together in the work of missions. And as a second-generation missionary that spent some of his teenage years on the mission field, he has faced and is facing the challenges of transitioning from foreign mission service to life in the States, both as a young man and now as a father. This is part of our conversation today, but first we jump right back in where we left off by discussing some of the ways that Chad's been able to include his children in the mission work at Pangia Station in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. Thank you again for tuning in to this second part of the interview with Brother Chad Wells on the subject of serving in missions as a family. So what are some other ways that, that your children over the years have been able to contribute to the work? and uh, perhaps even now are, are helping out in a big way. Well, Trevor uh, Trevor's really uh, working on the printing ministry. Uh, Trevor has really taken that on. Uh, you know, that's, those, uh, that's that mechanical, uh, you know, intricate parts moving, and, uh, you know, he, he tends to really just love that, and he can do it by himself. <laughs> and so uh, he doesn't need anybody up there telling him what to do, or he doesn't need to tell anybody else what to do. He just goes up there and runs that printing press and prints, uh, usually can print about 20,000 tracks in a day and uh, get all that organized and all that and uh, keeps it running. And, uh, and of course, Amber, she's uh, not with us anymore. She just got married here a few months ago, but uh, she was uh, a huge part of the school. Uh, and with those little kids, uh, bringing them along and teaching them how to read and, and even after school, doctoring them up, uh, she put on, uh, made, did lots of stitches and band-aids, and uh, we set some broken bones together and uh, working some medical stuff. And, uh, you know, and Connor, he's still coming along. You know, he's uh, he really enjoys uh, the mechanical side of things and uh, fixing, uh, fixing the trucks and replacing stuff and welding it back together. So we all, we all do all of it, really. Connor teaches school sometimes. Uh, Trevor's taught some uh, science classes and some electronics classes in the school. Uh, they all have preached on the radio and, you know, do that. So uh, driving around and uh, carrying lumber out to places and building churches. Uh, this last year, uh, all of them got involved uh, with my um, with my ankle being messed up a little bit. I couldn't get out and uh, do some of that work as I as I needed to. So the boys just went out and did that. A huge part of the ministry, huge part. Amen. I I was I was going to ask you about um, about the the spirit of your kids. I really think that you've already spoken to this, but um, I, I, you and your wife have pretty evidently uh, set the set the tone for the for the attitude with which your family is going to serve the Lord. It's very positive, and uh, you regard the ministry as a privilege, and it's uh, it's joy. To be able to serve God, God's people are the best people, and yes. and we're going to enjoy doing what we do for the Lord. There's no reason not to, and and that uh, that is pretty evident with your family, and it's a uh, that's uh, I praise the Lord for it. I, I think that's uh, 
I think that's something that uh, any number of us could probably do better on is mm-hmm. just uh, is just having the right kind of spirit and attitude and setting that tone as adults, as parents for our for our kids. Of course, there are certain pressures that are in some cases unique to the mission field and, and some more unique than others, depending on the field in which you're serving. What, what are some of the pressures that uh, your family has been exposed to there in Pangea Station? Obviously, New Guinea is uh, it's a, it's a extremely rural. In some cases, even some would say primitive. So what, what are some of the challenges that, that your family has faced that are just that are just unique to that field? Well, I, I don't know how unique, you know, some of them are, but uh, uh, as I haven't been to a lot of other places, sure. but uh, but there in Pangea, you know, uh, we work uh, in the middle of, uh, you know, our tribe being about, um, about 60, 70,000 people. And, uh, you know, there on the mission station, you know, we've got a, another family with us now. And of course, uh, uh, another young lady, Miss Melanie. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we're, it's just us. And so uh, because of that, uh, we kind of stand out. So, so anywhere we go, uh, there is no hiding. And then, uh, uh, being as big as I am, uh, you know, we, we can't hide. And so everybody knows where we're at all the time. And, uh, that can be a little daunting. Uh, the first time uh, that we really noticed that we were flying back to the States, I think it was after that first 15 months, it may have been, uh, in 2015. I don't, I don't remember when it was, but we were, we were flying back to the States and uh, we were in, uh, I think the Brisbane airport and we're walking through the airport and nobody was looking at us. We were nobody, you know, it, 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 we were nothing special or nothing uh, uh, that anybody felt the need to look at. And you noticed. And we noticed that nobody was looking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so that's a pressure. Uh, that's something I remember dealing with as a kid too. Uh, you know, it can, it can be, uh, it, it can wear you out because you know someone's always looking and uh, they're always seeing what you're doing. And so you, you can go one of two ways. You can just uh, want to go hide and you can become really reclusive yeah. or you can, you can really get, uh, you know, full of pride because everybody's watching you and you can just play to the show and just be completely fake. And of course, both of those are are not what God would have us to do. And yeah. so, New Guinea is is one of those places, as probably many other places, that uh, you really have to be careful uh, that you don't let that affect you one way or the other. Yeah. Because if you allow it to, you'll you'll end up in the with the wrong attitude. Of course, in in addition, you you're you're in a place, you're in a part of the world where uh, spiritual warfare sometimes takes on a. Uh, more tangible, sort of manifests yes. itself more tangibly. Yes, dealing with the with the with the forces of darkness, um, in a way that's more underground. I think perhaps in in the Western world, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm sure that there's a I, there there have been times I'm sure where there's been a temptation to fear. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you've you've also I know that you've had some close calls also, and as uh, as you've tried to um, be a peacemaker at times mm-hmm. in in settings that are a little touchy, right? So, uh, how's your family responded to those to those uh, to those challenges? 
Well, there's uh, the spiritual warfare is something that is very, it's very real. And the more that you try to, uh, the more you try to do for God, uh, the more that you surrender to, to his will and the more engaged you become uh, in the ministry, uh, the, the harder that we've seen that battle. Uh, we really noticed it. Uh, it stepped up tremendously when in 2013 that we um, said yes to the Lord about uh, printing that King James Pigeon Bible. And, uh, you know, that's not for the tribe or even the province, but that's, uh, you know, that's for the country. Right. And uh, committing to that was, uh, boy, I, I really struggled with that decision uh, because I knew that as soon as we said, we'll print this King James Pigeon Bible uh, for this country, that uh, the devil would not be happy with that. And so, uh, and and know that, and, I, and we knew as a family, and, it, and again, it was a, decision that Chris and I made together. And then we brought that to the kids and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And, um, uh, said, uh, this is going to take us some, uh, this is going to take the whole, the whole family, the whole, it's going to take the effort of the family. We've got a limited amount of time here. Um, we, we need to get this done before our furlough. And so, uh, we need to finish it before we go. And it's going to mean a, a sacrifice on all points. And it means that, uh, the devil's going to be after us in a new way. And so I think that approaching it in a eyes, you know, facing, facing it head on with your eyes open, knowing that it's coming, uh, can really be a help versus, uh, you know, just hoping it doesn't come. Sure. Is that something you've tried to um, practice with your family all along, is, is being pretty careful to communicate with them about what's 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 approaching? What uh, what challenges are ahead? What pressures? Uh, have you always tried to make a practice of talking those things out with your family? Uh, yeah, and more so, and in, in more in depth as they've gotten older. Uh, you know, even just uh, the other day, a decision came to us uh, that uh, you know a possibility. Uh, you know, and so uh, you know, with the boys being their age, you know, and still with us at home, uh, you know, they're they're not boys; they're men. Sure, and so. I try to respect that at this point uh, where they're at because, you know, now uh, a decision that I make, I mean, it, it greatly affects them. And so I try to respect them at this age, at that level. And it's kind of been a graduating uh, uh, mentality, I guess. You know, when they were just five and six, seven, you know, that age, of course, it's hard to go into a lot of detail. Sure. But as they've gotten older, we've tried to make those family decisions. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's my decision and this is where we're going, but I really wanted them to have the opportunity not to get drug along, which they would have been, (laughs) (laughs) uh, they really didn't have a choice, but they had a choice. Uh, I wanted them to make the choice, uh, to come with us. That way I didn't have to drag them. They were, they were just in anyways. Amen. How, how old are your, so you, you're, your oldest, your daughter, mm-hmm. uh, recently married. Yep. And so now she's beginning her her family, and um, you still have your your boys with you. What are their ages presently, around about? So Trevor's twenty three, Derek is twenty, and then Connor is nineteen. One of the things that you that you walked us through in terms of your family's experience, 
it is not the typical American experience. Right. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, our, our American expectations have become so standardized mm -hmm. that we presume that 16, oh, well, obviously, magically, you're ready to operate a motorized vehicle. Right. And 18, you can, you know, you can, you can join the military and live on your own all of a sudden because you had a birthday and right. et cetera, et cetera. And, and there are expectations, certain expectations that often come with this transition into adulthood, uh, professional and educational expectations, relationship expectations, mm -hmm. uh, none of which um, in terms of our American experience are strictly biblical. Right. And so I guess as a, as a, as a father raising kids on a foreign mission field, that are third culture, we might say, mm -hmm. your children, for instance, would have been, uh, they would not be particularly worldly wise mm -hmm. when it comes to certain elements of American culture. And to, uh, by observation, I say, praise the Lord. Right. Um, but there are, but there's also a learning curve too, if they're going to, if they're going to wade into independence, if they're going to do so um, in the mm -hmm. States. And on the other hand, they've developed some other skills that have put them way ahead of the game. So, right. how how do you how do you help uh, your children navigate? How do how can missionaries help their children navigate that transition to um, the states and to independence and to not try, not fall and pray to certain American expectations? How do you handle that? Well, I think that first of all, we've got to get rid of the you know the cookie cutter mentality. You know, like you just mentioned, 16, we can drive, 18, let's, you're on your own. You know, um, I believe that God puts way too much emphasis in the Bible and the Word of God about the importance of, of our children and raising children to serve Him. And I think the future of Christianity and the future of the ministry is way too important to spend 18 years trying to teach somebody and disciple somebody and grow somebody just to have a birthday and send them on their way. Uh, because we all develop in different ways and at different levels and all of that. So uh, from my own experience, and then, of course, uh, being a missionary kid myself, uh, missionary kids, we're drawn together. So if I, if I when I come to a church and there's another missionary kid, uh, even much younger or even older than me, uh, we find each other pretty quick uh, because, well, that's just the way it is. And so... Uh, after talking to a lot of different missionary kids, a lot of them had uh, a rough time adjusting. Mm. And then even some of, uh, you know, it seems like you've got missionary kids that are just, you know, hate the ministry and they're out in the world or they're right in the middle and serving God and they're in. And there, there doesn't seem to be any middle ground there. And, and I think part of that, uh, you know, is maybe because uh, of this cookie cutter mentality. You know, you, you take a kid that's been on the field for 10, 15 years or something, you send him back and say, okay, uh, you know, you've been in this other culture for all these years, and uh, you've been right there with mom and dad all these years in a completely different environment. Uh, now go to college and go sleep in the dorm or, you know, go stay at grandma's house or, you know, whatever the case may be. I don't believe those. I believe those kids can be very spiritual and and that. But being spiritual and being prepared to face the wiles of the devil in another culture are two very different things. And uh, the disparity there is a, is a, ma a maturity. 
in order to handle some of that. And, and some may be ready at 18. I haven't really seen too many of those. <laughs> sure. That would be the exception, probably. I think that would be the exception. And then, and then because some, some kids aren't involved in the ministry at all, and they're just, you know, they're just looking to get out. Uh, and those are the ones that aren't going to be spiritual at all, and they're going to be wanting to get out as fast as possible. And as soon as you see as missionary kids, uh, speaking as a kid, even though I'm not a kid anymore, but remembering, you know, we, we, we have to fit in. You know, you have to learn how to fit into this other culture. And so when we come back to America, our instant default is fit in. And so if you just get with the wrong good kids. That's a good point, brother. That's that's right. You are going to slip down a slippery slope. Yeah. We're not even we're not even talking about we're not even talking about uh, we're not talking about joining a gang. We're, no. We're not talking about even joining the world. It can be the wrong church kids. The wrong church kids. And so there's they those kids have to be because naturally Missionary kids, like I said before, we, we want to fit in. We spend our whole lives trying to fit in and yet stand on the word of God and yet fit in. And we don't fit in anywhere. That's that whole third culture thing. Uh, you know, it's so it's it's bad enough that when I come south, uh, my language slips into southern <laughs> uh, because and I don't even try. I don't have to try. When we were in Australia, those Australian little idioms they just they happen and it's just because of that mentality of trying to fit in so that you can you know you're trying to learn a language and you're trying to learn a culture so you can communicate the gospel to them and so that's a that's a great asset but as we know the word of god shows us you know some of our greatest assets are also oftentimes you know our greatest downfall our weakness and so I think a lot of kids really struggle. I know I struggled. The first, I was back just a couple days, and I found myself in a position that was, uh, we were at the Idaho State Fair, and, uh, you know, the kids, good kids, let's go pass out tracks. And I'm sitting by the fountain, you know, just in a mess because of all the wickedness Friday night at the Idaho State Fair. It was horrible. I, I just, I could not even process it. Wow. And uh, it really, uh, it really affected me. So I think parents really need to, you know, missionary parents, you guys really, we, we have to be aware that, um, you know, there's all kinds of requirements, countries and visas and all that. But, uh, you know, just like the generations before, you know, they said, okay, if you're going to be a missionary, send your kids to the mission school. That was just a given. Well, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> That's just what everybody did. It doesn't make that right. Right. And and just because maybe your country of service doesn't have a, a really easy way for those kids to stay with you, uh, do some investigation. There may be a way. Uh, we found a way. You know, they're all older, but they all have visas and they're all there. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's an element that is probably uh, not calculated at all. And a lot of supporting pastors and churches don't even think of that. In a lot of in a lot of countries, as you're as you're referring to, when a minor eight reaches the age of majority, mm-hmm. they can't remain legally in the country mm-hmm. under the same terms as they have grown up. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, in some cases, you have to get pretty creative, right. or you've got to make a, a 
agonizing decision right. about what to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are those are difficult. Those are difficult situations. You know, the, the, we 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 made a decision that you know we you know New Guinea for example, it's the same thing. You're done with high school, or 18 is kind of the line. Um, but you know, there's tourist visas. Okay, it costs a little bit of money. You got to fly in and out. But what's it worth to 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 finish? I guess uh, forming, you know, my my children at that last little bit, you know, you just got those last year or two left, you know, until those things really solidify in their mind and their relationships and all that, and that's worth that. That's worth that cost. And uh, it's worth being, uh, you know, a little uh, imaginative and, and how you can work those situations. Or, you know, sometimes it just takes some money, you know, uh, you know, take a flight in and out and another tourist visa or, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, to me, the kids are worth it. Amen. Because to, to raise children under the nurture and admonition of the Lord and ship them off at 18 and have them crash and burn for any length of time, I think is a great tragedy. So I guess missionaries really are going to have to, as missionaries, we're, we're going to need to think outside the box, so to speak, and not get caught up in our American mentality about what happens in terms of these transitions. To navigate that without disaster is really going to take some vigilance, might even take some creativity, mm-hmm. as you described. I know, I know one brother that... Um, I'm not saying that this is prescriptive, um, but but that's just the thing. There isn't a there isn't a prescription for how to how to do this. Right. But I know one brother that uh, he came off the mission field for about three years mm-hmm. or four years. He and and stopped stopped receiving support. We're not talking about protracted right. furlough. We're talking right. about. I'm coming home because because I have two, I've got two adult adult children that we need to get established in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think knowing that brother that he would have changed anything. He's back on the mission field, by the way. Right. Um, so there's not a there is, there really isn't a cookie cutter for this. Um, and and it changes with each child. Sure. And so you've got so many variables, and so pastors really need to be uh, need to work with us. Uh, you know, and then we need to make sure we're not making excuses either. That's a good point. Uh, because yeah. it's really easy to, uh, you know, just uh, say, well, the law this or the law that. And, you know, really, we're just sending a rebellious child home. Uh, because we didn't do maybe all that we should have done before. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, And brother, that, that, that transition, this season of life that we're talking about, it is full of landmines. It doesn't matter if you've never been to the mission field. Right. <laughs> trying, exactly trying, to right. Get, trying to get children uh, squared away from, from dependency at home uh, to independence as, as adults. Um, that, is, that is full of difficulties. But it seems like some of those difficulties are magnified. Mm-hmm. When you uh, when you've served years and years in cross cultural missions and don't have the same exposure and experience, I'd say this: um, while there is not a prescription, I do think that these are conversations that are worth having with with people who have navigated it. 
Right. I mean, anytime, anytime you're going to a field, it, it would be foolish not to not to ask somebody who's been there before you, right? And and try to glean as much wisdom as you can from someone who's who's experienced things that you're about to experience, and that's true for certain mm-hmm. milestones um, later on in the process, right? Yeah. Well, we believe that you know raising children is. I mean, that's my that's that's my wife and I's duty. That's that's not anybody else's duty. Right. That's mine. That's my responsibility. And if they go haywire, that's on me. And so, you know, for me to send those kids back to my excellent home church to finish them off, well, that's not even right. Well, it's not the it's, it's not, not their job. It's not the responsibility of the local church no. to raise to raise children. No, that's exactly right. So that's my job. So yeah, I've got to be. I, I have to be creative in how I finish that. Whether it means I have to come off the field, which well, I don't even want to think about that. Sure. Um, but uh, there's there's got to be a way. I don't think God would ask us to do the job that we're doing and not give us a way in each and every one of our circumstances uh, with each one of our children that are all different uh, that we can't. Uh, do right by them and give them the the best possibility for success, uh, not just in in, in life, but uh, hopefully to continue on in the ministry. Sure. Although it does seem like families that have a strong support system in terms of a of a of a home church, sending mm-hmm. church, that actually have a pastor, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of that kind of partnership. There are seasons of life where that is is. There's even more at stake. Yes. And those relationships are are really, really important. Right. Yeah. Which I think is why that, uh, you know, as ascending church, that has to be your church. I mean, that's got to be your place. That's got to be your home on this side of the world. Brother, I really appreciate you pointing that out. It's it is it's an unfortunate development sometimes. And it's and it's. In, in some ways, well, there are a lot of components there. We sometimes look at this missions thing too much in business terms. Mm-hmm. Ascending church is not a business sort of necessity. Right. It is supposed to be something that is a spiritual yes. relationship. Yes. And so having a local church, by all means, if you if you're on a if you're on a furlough and you don't have and, and you're not committed to be in certain churches, why wouldn't you want to be at your home church as much right. as you're able to? And uh, making that transition, I, I'd say that uh, look, we you you expected your kids to be in to be in church with you the whole time you were on the mission field. Right. Why wouldn't you expect them to be in church once they're not on the mission fields right. any longer? So any, anything else that you can think of that might contribute to that? Uh? Hmm. Well, I, I think that uh, the only thing I would well maybe say in addition would be uh, it's got to be it's got to be a decision that you make and, and you can't let everybody else pressure it. Uh, you know, we've had all kinds of pressure from all kinds of good people. But it's really got to be, you know, mom and dad, you got to be confident in what God would have you to yeah. do with those guys. Which really comes down to walking with the Lord, yeah. having fellowship with God, taking your directions from him, having a prayer life. Yeah. And there are certain things that uh, just cannot be delegated. 
Well, and then after, if you've done that, and as we've talked throughout uh, the course of this, you know, if you've engaged your family in that work, and then, uh, you know, you say, son, let's, uh, you know, give me another year. It's not going to be a problem. Right, right. You're not, you don't have a fight on your hands. Right. It's, this is, this is, this is a partnership all along. Anyway. Right. And, uh, and that's that relationship with the family. And that's why I think that's so important. Uh, you know, your family is your first ministry. Amen. I, I realize that your family right now, this sort of brings our conversation full circle because you're having to navigate something uh, mm-hmm. that, that you navigated there at their age. Right. Um, in, in, in a, in a different in a different position for yourself, this transition from youth to adulthood from a foreign field. So, can can you? I mean, you're you're in the middle of it, so maybe it's a maybe it's a bit <laughs> difficult to to do a lot of analysis. But right, uh, right. how have you tried to approach this season? Well, uh, you know, with Amber, of course, uh, I think it's a little different, girls to boys. Sir, sure, sir. Um, and so with Amber. You know, the, the, the Bible says leave and cleave. And so that's really my, that's my philosophy in a nutshell. Until you're ready to cleave, then you ain't leaving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that sounds terrible. But um, uh, with Amber, uh, you know, we, there was a couple, there was a couple points uh, in, in the recent years where, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, hey, you know, she's, She's 22. She's 23. You know, what's going on? You know, the are you are you handcuffing them to the basement, or you know, are you holding them back, or you know, when are you going to let them out, and you know, those kinds of thoughts. And um, what I think a lot of people don't understand is that because we are a very close family, and because um, we're in this ministry together. Uh, that that the kids have been happy in the ministry, and they weren't looking to get out. Now you know, uh, once Amber had a friend, you know, then then <laughs> then it was like, okay, well, now she's definitely had something that she's looking forward to going back to the to America for. Uh, but uh, but even through that, you know, uh, we we came back together to New Guinea, and uh, and uh, this young guy, you know, he's. Uh, uh, we had already, well, actually he came to New Guinea. So, you know, uh, you know, when, before he left, he, uh, you know, was wanting to, you know, write the letters or whatever and do all that. And so, man, I was for that. Amen. That's good. He's a good guy and all that. And so, uh, as they were, you know, developing their relationship long distance, uh, we were just watching. I told Amber, God's going to let everybody know here what's going on. Uh, God's got a plan. God's got a, the right timing for everything, and uh, and He'll let all of us know, and we'll all be uh, content and all that. So, uh, what I asked her to be is just content, and 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 it was a little hard for her at some of those points, you know, especially with some of the influences, you know, some of her friends. Well, you know, why don't you come back and this and that, and uh, and she made a decision there. She's like, this is where my kids are, you know, her school kids. Yeah. And this is where my ministry is. And so until God gives us the green light to go back, then I'm just going to stay in my ministry. Well, that's a really interesting point. Um, it seems like that was probably in some ways easier for her to, to do the right thing because she was invested 
with the rest of your family. It wasn't just her tagging along for your ministry is right. the point. Right. She's invested as well. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, you know, for the last six or seven years, I mean, the kids, they are missionaries in their own right. They are not missionary kids. Yes. Uh, they've, in some cases, have probably done more than some missionaries. Uh, I, I don't doubt it, Brother Chad. I really don't doubt it. So that's uh, so because of that, that was easy for her. So it, when it came back, came time to come back to for her to get married and all that, uh, uh, it was clear she was happy for it. She, it was the right time, uh, you know, with the COVID thing going on and all that. You know, it was uh, we got delayed a little bit, and it actually came to a point. And you know, I, I remember telling her, I said, "Okay, we've got some money saved up for you for a wedding." Uh, you know, we've been trying to put some money away, so we've got that saved up. But this COVID thing is going to make our tickets twice what they should be. So either we can go back and you can get married with a little bit of money, or we can stay here. <laughs> and uh, But we waited and, and until it all kind of cleared up and all that uh, so we could travel. And, and uh, I was happy with it. It was the right time. And uh, I think that because of all that, you know, there we got to give her away. Uh, you know, a lot of guys said, uh, well, you know, you'll go home and cry and, you know, that because she's such a huge part and, um, and, and I still may cry, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I raised her to get married sure. and just like the boys, you know, I've raised them to be men and to start their own families, but it's got to be at the right time. Sure. And so, uh, you know, she married, I think she got married at the right time to the right guy in the right way. So I got nothing to cry about. Now, when I get on the plane and go back to New Guinea, I might cry. <laughs> but uh, so that's uh, with the boys, it's really been the same way. Uh, God called us to New Guinea. Uh, we've been in the ministry and, in, and together. Uh, all three of them are doing Bible school with me right now, uh, which was their decision. And so uh, when they finish Bible school, then, uh, then they'll have to make a decision what they're going to do. Uh, but... Uh, I think maybe what's a little bit different for us is well, New Guinea's our home. Pangia, that's our home. Yeah. And I don't, this is just my, this is what I think. I don't think that, uh, I don't think God has to call you to stay home. You know, uh, so when God calls them to go somewhere else, then I think they'll go. We've had people ask the boys over the years, um, you know, when are you going to come back and start your real life? Real life? Oh, no. And, uh, and I've heard that probably four or five different times with different words, but, you know, the same sentence. And uh, a couple of them are even pastors. So, you know, they need to be slapped upside the head, maybe. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, how we navigate that is, I think, uh, with a lot of prayer and uh, a lot of uh, patience and that God would just direct us. I think each one of them is going to be different yes, because of their personalities are different. Um, you know, God, uh, God gave Amber, you know, Amber's tucked away in Pangea back in the jungle. And how did God provide a man for her? Well, he didn't. He can do it. He can. He didn't provide one in America. I mean, it was special delivery. <laughs> so, you know, uh, however God works it out, the boys will be there and doing God's will. And I believe that, uh, until God gives them something else to do, they just keep on working. Well, brother Chad, I'm I'm trying to one of the one of the ideas with these podcasts with these conversations is I I want to 
encourage people to think about these things. Uh, you know, the, the, the reality of transitioning from adulthood, the potential of transitioning from a foreign field back to the States. Um, these, these are things that come along with missionary service. They, they're, they're part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't, you know, we don't, these things need not catch us unawares. Right. It's it, we, we should go in eyes wide open, recognizing what we're signing up for and what we're going to be dealing with. But you don't figure this stuff out. No, you walk with God. Mm-hmm. You depend upon the Lord. You 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 live one day at a time. Yeah. You trust the Lord for what you need, when you need it. And God does work out the details, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, I think we try to plan things a little bit too much. Sure. You know, we need to we need to have a plan. Uh, but in New Guinea, you know, our saying is uh, <laughs> uh, flexibility is way too rigid. You have to be fluid. Oh, okay. And uh, so we, we, we try to, you know, we're, we know what we believe and, you know, the word of God is rock solid. Uh, but, uh, you know, all those other plans and all that stuff, you know, we just got to go with the flow and God directs. And uh, we try not to get in his way too much. Well, brother, I appreciate um, your faithful service to Jesus Christ in New Guinea. And I'm really grateful for uh, the testimony that your family has. And, and I feel like, you know, as a, as a pastor, um, uh, our church was a part of, we, we, had some, we had some stock in the work there Amen. in New Guinea. And I feel like it was just, uh, it was multiplied because of the family element. And um, it's been a joy to see how um, the, the role that your children have played over the years has expanded and God has made your family so useful to the work of Christ in New Guinea. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate the, the investment that you've made there and uh, the difference that your kids have made. So appreciate you having the conversation today. I hope this conversation with missionary Chad Wells has been helpful. I will offer one brief thought to follow up the conversation today. American Christians, or any missionary sending country for that matter, would tend to emphasize the sacrifice that families make in engaging in foreign mission service. I don't want to minimize that because in many ways there are sacrifices made, but we could easily overemphasize the sacrifice, especially as we filter those sacrifices through our Americanized cultural filter. Many of the families that I know who serve in foreign missions have far richer family relationships than many of their stateside counterparts, and their children have opportunities that are almost unimaginable for children and teens growing up in the States. I think it's a reminder that so much of life and ministry is what we make it. Thanks for tuning into the program today. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can as a family to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.